This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowship. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. Welcome our online listeners. And we have been going through a series called Why the Bible. So today is Why the Bible Part 2. And let's do just a little bit of a review of the passage that we covered last week. And I have it laid out in a different fashion, actually phrase by phrase, because it really covers the bullet points of what we have been discussing in regard to the power of the Word of God. So in the beginning was the Word, which basically means that it is an Alpha and an Omega. It's forever that way, and it's forever that way. It just was. Now if you think about how uh, wide the universe is, we can't even, our minds can't even really get, get beyond understanding what it means forever that way and forever that way. When we look at our space Hubble and it's taking pictures and now the space Hubble is actually so far out there it's literally capturing pictures of darkness around all these, these other solar systems and whatever that, that it has captured, we're realizing that we actually are. Darkness actually is inside of a box. In other words, forever that way is not forever dark. And forever that way is not forever dark. There's actually an eternal life that is beyond darkness even as we see it. Now when we run this all the way through into the book of Revelation, we find that in the end, after God deals with all the judgment issues, he literally snaps the globe and fire comes forth from the center of the earth, which we know by science today that the earth is filled with fire. And he casts the earth into outer darkness. So which tells us the reason why that even in science we may get very close to discovering that the universe as we see it from our minds is a black box. Darwin may be a little closer to acknowledging some truth than he realized. But there's more beyond this darkness that we see today. Whether it's through a, a uh, space Hubble or through our own science or through our own imagination. Light and life goes on and on and on and on and on every direction. And if you try to think about how far that is, the human mind cannot comprehend it. But we do know that this darkness as we see it today was created by God for a specific purpose. And as we go through this Bible series on the Bible, we're going to be talking more and more about this creation, not just the earth, but planets, the solar system, the uh, Milky Way, and then beyond the Milky Way. Why did God lay things out in the order that he did and in the way that he did? It also says in the word was with God. 
So it's not only the word going forever this way and the word going forever that way. The word actually was in the bosom of God. With God means in the bosom. One of God's names is called the bosom one. He has 43 primary names. One of those 43 names is bosom, with. With and bosom is the same thing. When you are with child, it is that child who is close to your bosom. That's going to be breastfed. And we are actually considered to be children that are breastfed from the living God. What happened in the garden when man committed the sin of eating, getting nutrition from a tree that God said don't get nutrition from, we were separated from God. So our normal, natural, neutral tendency was not to go to God to be breastfed from the breasted one. We were to get our nutrients from junk food. And that's the tree of knowledge. Junk food, potato chips, chocolate, certain kinds. Certain kinds of junk chocolate. You see, all of what we can illustrate about the gospel is actually around the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. Knowledge is a replica of life. Unless it's the knowledge of God. So now, he was in the beginning with God. Now this is, this passage that is being given to us by John is actually very, very profound because who is this he that he's talking about? Yeah, it's Jesus Christ. So not only did he lay out a firm foundation about the word being God, he's saying Jesus was in the beginning with God. In other words, the forever that way, forever that way, that's what Jesus is, eternal life, now becomes, the definition in the Greek means forever. But it's forever that way and forever that way. So Jesus now is this forever that way and forever that way. Then he became the word to dwell among us so that we could behold his glory which John also says later on. So literally everything that was laid out in the beginning is exactly what gets demonstrated to us when Christ comes to the earth. And then, all things came into being through Him, and that Him is Jesus Christ. So all of creation, all of the stars, or the planets, the solar systems, etc., etc., came into being actually passing through the very life of Christ. So every time you look at a star, you're looking at a twinkle of the light of the life of Christ. That's how you're supposed to look at the stars. Every twinkle, every sunburst, is a image that God gave us through Christ Jesus to understand the light and life of Christ. So when you look at the stars, you're to see Christ. When you look at a blade of grass, you're to see Christ. And when you look at a tree, you're supposed to see Christ. When you look at a brand new newborn baby, you're supposed to see Christ. When you see someone die, you're supposed to see Christ. All things that we look at, that we are able to hold to our bosom, we are supposed to be able to see Christ. And this is what Satan says, this will not happen on my shift. 
He wants people to look at people, places, and things and see Him. But He doesn't want the people to see His face directly. They want people to worship the object and then ultimately they will be worshiping Him. And that's the deception we have to talk about that is in the world today that is leading people away from the Word, which is leading them away from Christ, which is leading them away from God, eternal life. Forever that way and forever that way. Because when the earth snaps and fire comes forth, God takes the globe and he casts it into outer darkness. So therefore that box, that black box that they're just now beginning to discover in science exists is for the purpose of the earth being cast into that black box forever and ever and ever. We will be on the side of light. There is something beyond all this darkness you see at night when you look into the sky. There is something beyond that. It's not forever dark. Either that or God's lying to us. And I don't believe that He is. So and apart from Him, nothing came into being. Not a tree, not a blade of grass, nothing that has come into being. And in Him was life, the Holy Spirit, and the life was the light of men. So that when Gracie accepted Jesus Christ into her life, that born-again experiences, the light and life of Jesus was put inside of her mortal body. She now becomes, and I hope you understand this concept, she now becomes a star in God's eternity. She becomes a, a vessel that God shines and radiates life through her. Light comes through her now. The stars are to be symbolic of exactly what is being done here on earth with born-again souls. Every person that asks Jesus Christ into their life, that light comes in them. They become a not reflection of, that's moon. They become a vessel to behold the light. Just like the sun is a vessel to behold the light of God. So we look in the sun, we literally can see the creation of God. So the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, and there's no way that before Gracie asked Jesus Christ into her life, there's no way she could comprehend this verse. Now she can actually comprehend the verse. Because she has the light of understanding inside of her mortal soul. Now when we look in heaven, when we talk about the word, the diagram I showed you last week was more detailed, but we did not talk about the eternal life aspect of the word of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the angels. We've already learned that God the Father is the word, was the word. We have learned that Jesus Christ became the word to dwell among us so we could behold his glory. The Holy Spirit says I bring into remembrance the words of Jesus. The Holy Spirit literally is uh, indwelling us once we become born again so the word of God literally becomes inside of us so we can go ye into the world and pro proclaim the words of God. 
But you see, before the cross, the Holy Spirit empowered the angels. The angels would come to the earth, if you remember all those biblical stories, and would have a talk with Abraham, would have a talk with Noah, would have a talk with endless major minor prophets. Because God the Father told the Son, the Son t told the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings the remembrance of the words of Jesus to the angels, and the angels went into the world, and they had a talk with Moses, they had a talk with Noah, they had a talk with Abraham, they had a talk with these, these major minor prophets and representatives of God, so that ultimately we will be set up for Christ, so we can go in, ye into the world and introduce them to receive the Holy Spirit, the light of God inside them their mortal bodies to become literally a star of eternity. And you put all the Christians together who are stars representing lights, representing eternity. You have an unbelievable light source that will literally chase darkness out of an earth. Satan knows that so he keeps us all separated. He keeps us all independent. He keeps us all functioning on our own so that the light does not, it'd be like everyone taking a flashlight in the entire world who is a born again Christian and pointing that flashlight in one given direction. The light would be overwhelming. So why do we believe today? Why is it, guys, so important for today's Christians to believe that the word was there from the beginning was with God and was God. Why is that important today? I can understand in the beginning when God was putting it all together. But why today? Why is it important that that church right down the street from us preaches that the Word of God is the absolute, infallible authority of God? Why? So then, why don't Christians boldly in an immovable way proclaim the offensive truths of the gospel. The offensive truths of the gospel basically say you're going to hell. You're just going to hell unless Jesus Christ becomes your way, your truth and your life, your light. That's, that's offensive. So we back up to this. How about if we put Buddha in there? How about if we put um, Joseph Smith? How about if we put 3,000 other leaders today claim to be Jesus or the Christ? Exactly. So what happens when you start saying that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, we got to remember something. When it says Jesus is the way, it actually translates out in the Hebrew as pathway. There's only one road. There is no other road. All other paths lead to, say it bluntly, Satan. So there's thousands of paths they lead to Satan. There's one pathway, this here, that leads to God. No man comes unto the Father except by Jesus. So this is very offensive to people. 
So Satan knows the only way to destroy the gospel is to get him out of his place. And to put Buddha in there, and everyone has to kind of accept it. Or to put uh, the Mahdi, which is the Islam, Islamic Jesus, put him in there. Or Joseph Smith, who our new president-to-be guy, or want, wants to be president. He's a Mormon, he believes in Joseph Smith as Christ. And, and, and. And pretty soon you have Christians supporting Antichrist for political reasons because they're nice or it's the best of two evils or whatever. Our world is very mixed up. Simple answer is if you want to tie it into politics is if I do not have evidence and proof and testimony that my my candidate is a born again indwelt Christian I'm not voting. Either that or I'm going to write someone else's name in. Which is what I plan to do. So this is critical. They're even developing government rules that you cannot speak of politics from the pulpit like I am this morning. They're called hate crimes. Those kinds of things are to block us from saying that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Truth is translated out in the Hebrew as what? Do you remember? Even in the Latin it's pronounced trothed. What does it mean to be trothed? Huh? Trothed means you're engaged. It's a wedding statement. Right now we are engaged to Jesus Christ. We're not married. But engagement to the Hebrew means you are committed to for marriage. In order to divorce, I mean in order to get out of an engaged relationship, you have to file for divorce. So when Joseph said he needed to put Mary away, he was actually saying he needed to divorce her. And that was during their engagement. Because Hebrews believe once you're engaged, you're committed until death parts you. The wedding feast has not happened yet. Same thing with us. The wedding feast hasn't happened yet. We are in our engagement period or process with Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, this is why it is really, really important for us to today to believe that the Word of God is what we just said. We have this scripture down here that I'd like to have someone read. So, scriptures is a Greek word that is used for Word of God. So all scriptures are for this reason right here. It is for doctrines. These are statements that we live by. They are for reproof. They are for correction. They are for instruction. So the, the doctrines, when we look at the application, is for believing. And then for the action, it is righteous thinking. And then the process is discipleship, which is what I'm doing right now. And it is hopefully and ultimately to produce repentance, identity in Christ, discipline, obedience, first fruit, victory, and vision. So reproof is very different than correction. Reproof is uh, in regard to the application we're actually addressing problems in a person's life. 
which are the lies. And then it's for righteous choosing. Correction is for turning the person around from their patterns. And it too is for righteous choosing. Then it goes into more discipleship. And then instruction is for training. And that is also what Sunday mornings are supposed to be about. It's a, it's a training time. And it's for uh, actual righteous living. Which dumps into discipleship. And the reason why we have to have quality discipleship is to literally have a transformational biblical worldview. In other words, we are literally living and walking in truth, truth and true identity in Christ Jesus or our betrothment, our engagement to Jesus Christ. So that when others like Gracie, what affected her and what the Spirit used, interesting as it is, what the Spirit used in her life is for her to realize she was not one of the bridal members at that moment. That's what the Spirit used in her to say, you are not one of my bridal members. Because truth means troth. The whole issue of salvation is, are you a bridal member or are you not? That's it. That's what truth is. Are you a bridal member or are you not? If you take away the sting of the gospel, the, the purpose of the word, there's no way you can do this in a person's life. Do you know how many people in the world today avoid going to someone for counsel? A hundred percent of every person that walks the face of the earth has a bet to run from going and getting help. That's why they go to hell. Unless Jesus Christ takes them through a betrothment. In order for a woman to marry a man, she has to give up her, her, her name of her father. She has to give up her past life. She has to give up all of that and join herself with her husband and go on whatever mission fields that God calls him to and to give her life to him. That's what it means to be born again. You're giving up past identities, past lies, past father, past everything, and joining with a brand new life, a brand new identity, a brand new commission. So discipleship is a process of training, teaching uh, the doctrines, instructing them to actually come to the body, Christ in each of us, to receive counsel so that someday we will be able to do this. If not, you will die just as selfish as the day you were born. There are thousands of Christians that died just as selfish as the day they were born. They did not embrace discipleship. The reason for the word today is for discipline, discipleship. And if people don't want to be disciplined by an instructor, by someone correcting them, by someone reprove, reproving them, and by someone not imparting the doctrines, then they will remain acting as if they are unsaved in a saved family or community. Yeah, Barn, Barna Group surveys say that 0.08 churches in the world today practice church discipline.
0.08. That's not even 1% of the church. Why? Because they're afraid to say this is how you must believe. And if you don't, there's going to be problems. And we're going to have to deal with the problems. We're going to have to correct you. And if you don't receive instruction, there's going to be discipline, which is where this word comes from. There's going to be discipline. Discipline, being spanked, being corrected by your mom and dad, or Jesus, or a spiritual father or mother, is to turn you away from those lies that create problems. And if you have to do your own thing, you're just as stupid, and that is a biblical word, stupid means. In the Hebrew, if you remember the stupid shepherd passage that is used in Isaiah, what it actually means is you know what is the right thing to choose, but you don't do it. So all of us can function under the label of stupid shepherds. So it's not a, a swear word, it's not a nasty word in that sense. It is a descriptive word to say we know the right thing to do because we have been taught, but we are not going to do it. Therefore, Satan knows we have to be disciplined. And he also knows if we're not used to repenting, walking in our identity in Christ, when it comes to being disciplined, we're going to run back to the problems. And that's why the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Literally dividing our soul from our spirit, our joints from our marrow, able to judge every thought and intention of the heart. Do you know when Jesus would walk up to someone who had bone cancer? And yes, they had bone cancer back in Jesus' day. They just didn't know it. But they had every form of disease we have today in some fashion or another, Jesus could literally walk up to someone who had bone cancer, and that is cancer in your marrow. So when the scripture uses the term that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it can, it, it can separate the joint from the marrow, how did they know what marrow was? That's the stuff inside your bones. And when Jesus would speak, even the marrow inside people's bones would respond. People would be healed. That's how powerful the Word of God is. Any questions about this diagram? Well, the reason why we have so much fake freedom in America today is because people are afraid to do this in their community, in their churches, and in their families. If we practiced what you're seeing here right now, you would see America start to have some of the same issues that you see in Egypt, Christians, that you see in, in any of those countries over there where Christians still practice the power of the Word of God. America, in general, does not practice the power of the Word. They do, they, the church does not practice this. And it has been a long time since the American church actually practiced what you're seeing today. Four questions I have for you. Can Satan control the minds of men? He can even control the mind of an, a believer. 
if their thoughts are yielded to fleshly thoughts. My ways are not his ways and my thoughts are not his thoughts. If we continue to yield our thoughts to him, yes, he can have influence over our thoughts. But particularly with an unsaved person, he has full control of their thought life. Number two, can Satan put evil thoughts into the minds of humans? Yes. So a lot of these evil things from games that you see to all this stuff out there that's so dark and so evil, it's because Satan is putting thoughts into the minds of humans to draw it out on a piece of paper, to design a piece of computer software, to make a movie, or make a song that is not very good. Now, can Satan come and live inside a non-believer? Do you know that percentage-wise, not quite 100%, but almost 100% of the people surveyed, people in general, believe that there is a devil or an evil force and that there is evil in the world. And there's evil people in the world. That's because they could actually answer yes to these. But if you put Satan's name in there, all of a sudden they start hesitating. But if you say, can evil control the minds of men? They have the tendency, according to Barney's survey, to say yes. But if you say, can Satan control the minds of men? They hesitate. You see, what's happening is they're able to identify identity, something that is a part of the gospel. God the Father, Father of lies, Satan, and mankind. So they can't say yes. But they can be surveyed in regard to evil. So, can evil put thoughts in the minds of humans? Yes. Can evil possess a man? Yes, I've seen it. So it's easier for them to answer. So can Satan construct evil stories in the hearts and minds of people? Can evil? You see, the answer is yes, 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 and yes. Now here is the crazy thing about this. I would love to for Barna Survey to actually take these four questions and survey them out. They have done that with evil. But I would love to have them survey the specifics of these questions. Because it specifically would help us understand this. The answer is, then why do we question the abilities of the God of the universe? It's actually beyond. Universe is a very boxed-in term. But the God of the universe to control man, to put thoughts in his mind, to possess him or indwell him by the Holy Spirit, like would happen with Gracie, and construct words or the word of God through his feeble mind and hands. Noah, pick up your pencil. Jonah, John, Paul, pick up your pencil. I am about to speak. You see, when we read this, we have all kinds of red flags that go up. 
We have all kinds of doubt. Oh, God uh, didn't do that. He didn't say to Paul. He couldn't speak to Paul directly. He couldn't possess Paul. He couldn't. And we go, no, 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 no. Either that or they question it. But the truth is, they say yes, 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 yes. So just the human logic tells us that the gospel is true, that Satan has cleverly deceived the entire world to say yes to him, yes to him, yes to him, yes to him, and no to Jesus Christ. So to get the whole world thinking that the word of God is without power, is without authorship, authority, is critical. It's absolutely critical. So starting next week, we're going to go through ten keys. And from there, I'm going to walk you into some translations that are out there that are being used. We are, a lot of you know, I've been part of a boycott of NIV for many years. I'm really ramping up this boycott because NIV has now made a decision not to print the old NIVs and only to, prevent, to print the new NIVs which has taken the he, the masculine statements, out of the Bible, 6,382 references to the masculinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and men in general. Why are we doing this? I'm going to prove to you over the next several weeks that Satan is feminizing the gospel. Because when you remove masculinity, you remove headship. When you remove headship, you have plurality of gay marriages. What you see happening in our country, our president just signed on to a major bill that neutralizes marriages. Why is this a huge thing from politics to our churches? Is because of what I'm going to show you in this series. It is absolutely critical we set up for that lady who's going to be riding the red dragon. That lady who's going to be riding the red dragon. So this is this is actually more popular. I get lots of feedback from other countries when they listen to this podcast. This series is already starting to be popular in other countries, but I'm telling you in America, I am going to offend many. Because they're not into the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ in America. Not, not as a whole. So guys, this is very, very critical that we understand the reason for the word, the authenticity of the word, which comes from authority, which comes from author, which comes from perfecter of our faith. So to delude the word is like taking a great glass, rich tasting glass of apple juice and watering it down. Or taking a hot cup of coffee and making it lukewarm. That's what Satan's trying to do so that no longer are we able to see what he's got coming for us 
next year, several years from now, 20 years from now, or however long the end times we have left. Comments or questions? Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events. And we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a pile, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.